Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Awesome Down. We are your host. I am Steve. He is Wally. He is David. Before I toss it over to the boys to see how their conference championship weekend was, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by TabEase.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. Boys, how's the weekend? It's snowing here in Columbus. What the hell? How's it up over by you guys? starting to snow a little bit here. Nothing crazy. I just, I mean, at the point where February is the worst month of the year, as we all know, it's the grossest period. You, you feel stuck in the middle of nowhere, getting out of winter. Football is about done. It's a terrible time. But we just have to remind ourselves, 28 days away, and we're almost to spring. That's about all I have. Boys, have I ever told you how much I hate people who drive cars? Like about a few things. shows ago, but I'd, I'd love to hear yeah. why, David. I, I, it's not personally I every show, every single show I could open about how much I hate the human population with driver's license that shouldn't have them. But anyways, other than that, fantastic. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, how wet did you get your pepper watching that trench play from the Eagles? Because to me, that was pure sex. Dude, so, uh, first of all, I'm so happy that we got to watch that game. It's a shame that we lost out on a potential great matchup if Brock Purdy hadn't got hurt. But even with that happening, you got to see why Philadelphia is so dominant this year. This is a team that, first of all, 15-2 in a regular season, one of those without Jalen Hurts, if they finish the job against KC in a couple weeks, I think there's a legitimate case that this is a top three team of all time. It's up there and at least should be in the conversation. Of all time, now I really have to sit down and look at look at some of these teams. I mean, automatically I think of some of those Dallas Cowboys teams, those San Fran teams. Let's circle that one back, throw it in the back pocket here for a couple of weeks because I am really – I'm quick to call out malarkey. I don't like that. Well, you can call it out all you want. Second most sacks of all time. Defense has been dominant all year, and they had one true loss in the regular season. It's a team that if they finish the job, they are in the conversation with best ever. And I think they've more than earned it. Bring up strength of schedule. Look at their Super Bowl run that they had on the way there against the teams that they played. Oh, no, it's conversation again. Circle it, back pocket, talk about it in two weeks. All right. Well, one thing I do want to note before we get rolling on to some NFL news, you guys will notice at the end of the show last week, you're like, what was that? What did they put in there? What I'm going to start doing is throwing in a little bit of our pre-show talk after the end. So if you guys want to stick around for five extra minutes and hear some nonsense from us goons, that's what you're listening to. Just for the few people that texted me wondering what the hell that was. With that, let's get into some little bit of NFL news that we have. Get into the recap of the games that we had this past Sunday before we get in. Kellen Moore. So this happened very quickly. Kellen Moore, the Cowboys, part ways. I think Dallas ended up letting him go. He then gets an interview with the Los Angeles Chargers, and now he's going to be the new offensive coordinator for that Justin Herbert-led offense here. That's going to be a great hire. Everyone was creaming their pants about this guy a couple years ago when he, quote-unquote, bursted on the scene and what he was able to do in Dallas with some loaded weapons, something similar that he's going to get to deal with here in Los Angeles. I think it's great. They have an OC. I'm kind of – upset that maybe he's going to have to look for jobs in back-to-back seasons in Kellamore? One thing I'll say, the 34-year-old dude, he's had weapons. They've had a great offense, great roster. But that said, they have put up 
incredible scoring offenses under him. They were sixth place in 2019. They were 17th in 2020, but that was Andy Dalton who was leading that offense. And then first and fourth in the last several years, the Cowboys are maximizing what they have. I'm not a giant Dak Prescott fan. So the idea of moving Kellen Moore to an offense with a very high quality offensive line in an elite young quarterback, I think there's a lot to be excited about. I think, I think I agree. There's a lot to be excited about for the chargers. I don't, I just don't understand the move for Dallas and I get, you know, mutually split ways. Maybe it was Kellen Moore asking to get out, but I don't understand the move from Dallas's perspective. Why would I want to let that guy go? Like, who am I getting that's better? And frankly, who are you going to go get that's going to make Dak better than he currently is? Because that's your goal, right? You got to find a guy who's going to lower the interceptions, lower the turnovers, and still get the same Dak that we saw this year. So I don't know. This a lot of moves this offseason just don't make a whole lot of sense to me. In an offseason where Dallas felt like they didn't gain anything, and now here we go into an offseason with them already losing a huge piece, I'm their targets on their back. I know we were kind of texting here, or we were talking about it last week. What are they going to do with Zeke? It just potentially Dax last year before they kind of part ways. So this could be one, this could be the second of potentially three consecutive offseasons that are just going to look ugly and sloppy in Dallas. I'm here for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm with you guys, too, that you want to keep a guy like Kellen Moore around if you're Dallas. The problem is, like you said, David, there's a very good chance that wasn't the case. And as Mike Tomlin loves to say in Pittsburgh and all of his press conferences, you need volunteers and not hostages. If he doesn't want to be there, you can't have him stick around. You got to move on. And at least you can say if you're Dallas, even if the team is bad, people want to coach for you. They want to be a part of that organization. And it's a pretty sexy offensive gig still. It's got a decent offense line. I know you're losing a little bit of age on the outside, but I think that you're going to have quality candidates out there. You lose Kellen Moore, that sucks, but they're not doomed by any stretch. The Houston Texans, anything but official right now, but by the time this either this podcast comes out or by Tuesday morning or afternoon, D'Amico Ryan, as the front runner of the Houston Texans, head coaching job again most likely that dude's gonna get it he was saying his goodbyes after the game as if that was his last game under the coaching staff of Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers as you guys know this was a franchise that actually I want to say drafted D'Amico Ryan I know he spent five six years there you know as a newer franchise back then that's awesome so for him to kind of come full circle now as being the head coach they got not only a guy they got the guy almost like a Dan Campbell-esque player. I haven't seen any of his interviews, press conferences, but he just gives me that type of energy, seeing how him and his defense communicate. I would love this for Houston. It just surprises me that D'Amico Ryans would want to do this because D'Amico Ryans, first of all, you were watching an organization that just fired two black coaches after one season who, at least for David Culley, I don't think had any right to be fired. Lovey Smith, at least you could feel like, all right, that was a placeholder gimmick anyways. I think D'Amico Ryans, given what the coaches that he's been around, given what he's been able to do this last year in San Francisco, it's exciting for a defense that really could use an upgrade. I would say I do kind of have a difficult time hiring defensive-minded head coaches in the year 2023, but if you are going to go that route and you're going to take a first-year head coach, 
Look what D'Amico Ryan was able to do under Robert Salah and what he was able to do this year. San Francisco had one of the best statistical defenses of all time. I have a love-hate with this because I love that we're giving coaches with no experience, like we're not recycling old head coaches. I love that concept, but I also don't love taking a guy who has what two years now two years under one of the best defensive rosters in the NFL and assuming that he's going to be a good coach and not just a coach that was given a hell of an opportunity with an elite offense and elite defensive players now I don't want to discount him because I do think he's a good coach however I almost think the Texans would be better off looking at coordinators who had bad hands dealt and turned them into good hands. For instance, Clint Hurt. I think it's Clint Hurt out of uh, Seattle's defensive coordinator who has a terrible defense and turned it into a maybe league average defense over the course of the season. He adjusted for his roster, right? And if you're Houston, you need a guy who's going to adjust and play to your strengths and figure it out. And I, I don't mean just defense either. I mean all over because there is not talent. There, There is so little talent on that roster that you're going to spend years rebuilding. And if you don't want to get fired within two years, you're going to need to win more than like four games. And to do that, you're going to need to put together the the Cully type of season where you win six games or something. I think it was six when you shouldn't have. I don't know. I I love the hire, but I also like I'm thinking like, you know, is this going to be a guy that comes in and is just not ready because he's only had what two years on as a coordinator, three years as a coordinator or assistant. How ready is he to take on the whole basket of responsibilities? I think it's a, a fun stat here to throw out there, especially because it works out with the Houston Texans as well. In 2008, so 15 years, they had Kyle Shanahan as their offensive coordinator. They had Matt LaFleur as their quality offensive control coach. Robert Salah's defensive quality control coach, Mike McDaniel is an offensive assistant, D'Amico Ryans as a linebacker playing at that point. So given that D'Amico, I mean, he's been around good coaching. He's been in healthy environments. I understand he is a little unproven, a lot like Eric Bieniemy because he's played with out or had outstanding rosters to coach. But at least you can say that if anything, they've improved under D'Amico Ryans in the last couple of years, they haven't had a fall off. And that's at least exciting. And I, I do think I, I'm not, I don't want to discount him. Like that's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. If I'm the Texans, I'm probably looking for just a tad bit more experience, not as a head coach, but just like a guy who's maybe been around the league for more than uh, two or three years as a coach. Uh, but, you know, again, D'Amico Ryans could prove me dead wrong. He could be Mike Rabel 2.0 where he comes in, you know, next to inexperience as a head coaching role and ends up putting together, putting a bad team in a, in a pretty good situation. Yeah. I, I thought that they were going to kind of go like a poor man's Jacksonville route. Right. Like I, the first thing I thought of when you said that was kind of the Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, right. This guy is, yeah, he's a proven head coach, been out of the league for a year or two. Let's get him back in. I can't think of anybody right now that would be really that hot of a candidate or I would rather take a chance over than just letting a first-year guy take over. One thing I want to talk about, first off, I don't know if you said J.J. Watt on there, Wally. I don't know if that's if I just didn't hear you say that and all the people they just listed off in that team. 
But then speaking of JJ, there's quote unquote a cryptic tweet that's going out of JJ that tweeted out a picture of him and D'Amico Ryans back in their playing days in the AFC or AFC wild card or a game they won against the Bengals. Now people are talking that JJ Walker joined the coaching staff. Oh, is this possible? A JJ Houston reunion? God, it'd be, I don't know how to even imagine JJ Watt as a head coach or a coach in any way. One thing to note, you brought up their playing days. Maybe that's the straw that broke the camel's back on this hiring is the fact that he is Houston royalty, or at least was a part of those very fun teams when they don't have a lot of history. So going with somebody that is already in tune with the organization, that might've been what pushed them over the edge. With that, that's going to bring us to the end of our NFL news. Let's get into our conference championship recaps. Before I bring it on, we want you to know this NFL championship recap of the conferences is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more. Especially if you're our age where it feels like there's a wedding, baby pictures, college graduation, something is happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y. We're on our Instagram and saw Dad and Sapphire again, abbyturnerphoto.com. We started this one Sunday at 3 o'clock for the Philadelphia Eagles steamrolled the San Francisco 49ers, 31-7, covering easy, a total hit on the under. But as Wally already alluded to, we lose Brock Purdy, what, the first two or three snaps in this game to an elbow injury, which I find it hysterical before we continue on that. He is going to be out for the next four to six months because of some ligament in his elbow. He has to get surgically repaired. That dude was back in the game. That is wild to me. And they chose him over a over Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Juszczyk, whoever the emergency quarterback was at, behind Josh Johnson. But anyway, Eagles come and dominate. The team that everyone thinks that was going to make it to the Super Bowl on the NFC side, they make it. But I'll toss it over to you boys to kind of – Tell your side of the story. What were some of the takeaways? What were some things that kind of stuck out to you? David, I'll throw it over to you first. Holy shit. The Eagles are the NFL's best team by a wide margin. That's that's it. That's 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 all you have to say. I don't know, man. The 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 trenches, I said it when we opened. The trenches are lethal, they're amazing. I mean, the D-line, especially Reddick, was unbelievable. I think Reddick, in 14 pass rush snaps, had had two and a half sacks, I think it was. Just two. They didn't give him the other half. All right, so two sacks and uh, a forced fumble, fumble recovery, and I don't even remember how many tackle for losses. There, like in, in Just in 14 pass rushing snaps, he made an ungodly difference for that line. He's not the only one. It's because they can all 1v1. Whoever's whoever's one v one in that line, that defensive line loses every time. Like if those guys aren't double teamed, somebody's winning the pass rush. You better get the ball out quick. The offensive line was just as good. Made the Forty uh, ers look like they had an average defensive line. I mean, Bosa's the only one who looked good, and he's a defensive player of the year candidate. The Eagles are my clear Super Bowl favorite. They cannot be stopped. And on the flip side, so so ignoring the Eagles, that was my rave. Uh, about the Eagles but as far as the Niners goes I don't want to hear any excuses from Niners fans because for the last probably I don't know when did Purdy take over eight weeks ago six weeks ago eight, it's been week like 13 weeks. or week 14 yeah so so 
Since then, it's been nothing but chirping about Shanahan's system being unbeatable no matter the, the QB, right? Turns out that's not fucking true. So, like, I don't want to hear any goddamn excuses because you've been saying the opposite for fucking weeks. Wally's going to fucking bite my head off here. But you know it. to me, it's time to start questioning Shanahan's protection system. And it's don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Shanahan is the greatest offensive coordinator in the NFL. But it's time to start questioning the protection system of quarterbacks because outside of Matt Ryan in uh, 2016 or whatever the Super Bowl year was, and I think Jimmy G in 2019, there has not been a, every QB in that offense in his offenses going back to RG. That's not true, though. Whatever. That's it, not it true. true. It is true. Every eight or nine weeks, somebody gets hurt. Every and and oh, by the way, Shanahan's the one that played RG three hurt and then had you know watched him get a career altering injury. But we won't talk about that. All I'm saying is. You could say it's dumb luck, or you could say that, you know, luck isn't that consistent across multiple franchises and offenses. I'm just saying it's very much time to start questioning Shanahan as the head coach and not just an offensive genius. He is the greatest offensive coordinator in the NFL. He is mediocre in almost every other facet of head coaching. He, like almost every other facet of head coaching. And I'm I'm tired of, of letting it go. Because I don't care how many NFC championships he makes, if you don't get over the hump, how good are you really? What At what point do we get to the Super Bowl? You know, you could tell me he made nine NFC championships. If, you know, that's like that's like saying the the fucking nine Super Bowl losses are are worse than than not going there, right? So like he's not going there, but we're gonna call him the greatest head coach in the game for what reason? It's time to start questioning. That's all I'm saying. Time to start questioning him as something more than the best offensive coordinator in the NFL. You are one of my favorite people on earth. I think you're one of the smartest people that I've ever met. And that's why this is such an enraging argument for me, because I don't think that there's any merit at all to this case. You are going back to his offensive coordinator days, no injuries with Matt Schaub. Then you go to the Redskins. He had RG3 on that injury. Blame him for that. You know that he was not the make, person making that decision whether or not he wants to play or not. You go to the Browns. They were forced to put Manziel in later in that season. That's fair. But then what? After that, you go to the Falcons where Matt Ryan was completely fine for two years, and he's not a mobile quarterback. If the scheme was a problem, he'd have issues. Then you go to the 49ers where Jimmy G, mind you, had injuries in New England as well. When is it just maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is injury prone? When you go back and look at the four injuries this year to the quarterback set on the San Francisco team, they were all freak accidents. There was never a schematic issue. Yesterday, Brock Purdy gets hit by one of the best players in football right now, and that causes his UCL. Concussion injury, we see that happen to everybody at all levels. Is Mike McDaniel a loser too? Because he just apparently brings over this negative energy from Shanahan because hold on wasn't Jimmy G twice a year wasn't Jimmy G and Trey Lance out of the pocket running literally it it was nothing to do with the schematics at all why are they out of the pocket running because the play broke down 
Because the, because they're playing a they're playing a defensive right, front that maybe the offensive line now can't block. I'm yeah. I'm not saying it's the reason. I'm saying it's time to start. Questioning. Uh, you're, I don't it's know. You, you are trying it's time to... to start questioning Shanahan as as a head coach and not just an offensive genius. Because okay, because explain of to me pass protection like like Wally said. What's what's the offensive line ranks? Look at. Philly was doing that all year to people. doesn't matter if you have fucking Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, if you got Josh Johnson in there. If your offensive line can't block, also look at Tom Brady with no offensive line. Does Tom – okay, Tom Bowles does need to be fired for many reasons, not, <laughs> yeah. not that. But come on now. I get the question. I'm here for the hot takes, but I'm not here for stretch of look, hot takes. We can, keep, we can keep fucking dick riding Kyle Shanahan, but at some point – at some point, you got to start questioning him as more than the offensive genius that he is, that I'm fully admitting it is. But it's it's time to start questioning more than just, hey, he's really good at drawing up plays and getting the run game going. It's, it's not a coincidence that his teams have gone to four conference championship games in six, seven years when, and then not to mention the two Super Bowls. How many Everybody Super Bowls does Shanahan won? The two Super Bowls everybody likes to go back and talk to, we coined the two best quarterbacks of all time had to make improbable comebacks to beat them. Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. We're not even okay. Bad. I'm fine with that. But like, does he still have zero Super Bowls? Yeah, and that's fine. And he's the you great, and we're him. talking about him like he's the great, he's the greatest offensive mind in the history of football. And this guy can't can't win a Super Bowl with one of the best rosters. He's had Jimmy Garoppolo as his Who's starting is that? They traded 5,000 picks for running backs. John Lynch. Blame you don't do that without Jim. the head coach's go-ahead. Oh, my God. Are you, you kidding don't me? Think, there's you so don't many. Think that. Oh, is that why they have Trey Lance? There's you don't so think many. Thank you, Steven. That's why they have Trey Lance because, because they run everything. Lynch. Great. Yeah. Why do they have Christian McCaffrey? They gave up. Another fucking couple first round picks. Was it Kyle Shanahan? You 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 are giving way too much. He wants John Lynch has so much more power than you were trying to make it out in San Francisco. He's one of the most. You do not run the team without approval of the head coach, and that's they didn't get approval for Trey Trey Lance. Lance. I'll give you the Trey Lance thing, but you do if the two heads aren't talking, that team is much worse than what you think they are. They literally two heads not talking is what the Browns picks. and Raiders have been doing for the last twenty years. They're and not- I, that's fine. Talk about dysfunction then. With that's fine with John Lynch. They gave up those first round picks for a quarterback that Kyle Shanahan did not want. How does that make sense? Because he, I, I bet you a million dollars he wanted Trey Lance right oh. up until he found out Trey Lance. There's way good. too much smoke from San Francisco beat writers that they had no desire, no want for, or Kyle Shanahan did not want. How's that his fault then? He doesn't have that ability. You don't think it's possible that Kyle Shanahan, whose father is one of the most critically acclaimed coaches in NFL history, didn't maybe regret his decision on Trey Lance, didn't want that blowback on him and maybe snuck into the fucking No, because the, the smoke was out before the trade. The smoke was out before the trade. He didn't want Trey Lance. All right, if you say so. I do say so. Yes, I absolutely say so. I, I'm just saying it's time to start questioning Kyle Shanahan as as more than just an offensive genius. So what's well, so what? Tell me what you want. Do you coach. want to move on from him? What are you doing? I don't want to move on with him. I want to hold him to the fucking Andy fire. Reed. Andy Reed did not have I a Super Bowl until three years out of my mouth. So so is Andy Reed just a dog shit fraud of a coach up until three years ago? 
No, oh, it's, it's a whole different scenario. How it's is it different? Different. He lost how? four conference championships. But don't he got criticized man. up the fucking wazoo for a decade. And it was proven that it was Kyle so Shanahan stupid. Kyle Shanahan has it been you every team. single person out there wouldn't. I am the only person out there who wants to maybe hold a little bit of a flame to Kyle Shanahan the same way we did Andy Reid, and you guys dick ride him like he's the. That's what bothers me is whenever we disagree, whenever we disagree, we're homers. That's not true. He's the greatest offensive coordinator in the NFL. He is not the greatest head coach. That's fine. You can say whatever you want. There's a reason. No one said he was the greatest championship game with Brock Purdy. The literal last. You guys are taking this so fucking close to the chest, and I don't know why. Because it's wrong. It's wrong. It's time to start also questioning. Questioning him is wrong. You can question him all you want. Oh, but that's all I was doing. We are giving you. We are giving you evidence. You're telling me. We are giving you evidence, and you say dick right. We are giving you evidence, and you go to Dick Ride. No, give us evidence back. That's what I want. Give me evidence back, please. My going back to the Eagles, Hassan Reddick, players that everybody wanted to talk about going into conference championship weekend was the quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy. The best two players on the football field in these games yesterday were defensive linemen. Hassan Reddick and Chris Jones single-handedly wrecked games. The two sacks, the tackle for loss, the forced fumble, the fumble recovery, the damn near close, another forced fumble and fumble recovery that just missed early in this game. It was an all-around clinic from Philadelphia. But if I'm San Francisco, I'm not panicking because I had Josh Johnson come in, look not great, and get hurt, and you lose to one of the best defenses or best teams, in my opinion, ever. So – I don't know what else to take away from this game other than Philadelphia being only a point and a half favorite against KC two weeks out feels ludicrous to me. I thought it was going to open up at five and a half or six. You're right though. The Eagles are, were so dominant, but what, what blew me out of the water was they went, they go up head to head against a, a top three rush defense in the league right now. I think they're actually, I think they're ranked number two, like overall. And they ran four touchdowns. Over, almost 150 yards on. I mean, Jalen Hurts only had 121 yards passing. He didn't really need to do much. And they were just, that's my big takeaway. Doesn't matter. To David's point, we can make excuses about the quarterback play. Don't step in now after being a Brock Purdy lover and don't back down now. But cool. They don't line up on the defensive side. What they were able to do to that side of the San Francisco team was miraculous. Now, I do want to give credit to the San Francisco defense. If you're looking at the score and you're going to be a box box score slut, then you're not going to realize actually in my eyes, how close this game was. San Fran's defense had them going. They, they just could, they just could not get anything offensively going. Cause if you look at it, yeah, Philly gets the quick touchdown, which I'll get to here in a couple seconds. They do that. Then they get a couple stops. They get a punt punt. Oh, here's a touchdown. This was a 7-7 game with under two minutes left in the second half that ended up being 21-7 at the half because of stupid mistakes because of young quarterback play and a guy who's played on 14 teams in his young, what, like six-year career, which is wild. But San Fran's going to be fine. I did enjoy watching them lose in that fashion. Let's be real here. I'm not going to – back-to-back years. How does it feel? Here's my mini conspiracy theory. 
I wouldn't go as far as saying that San Francisco is going to win this game, but the game is going to be closer and different if the reps, A, did their job and did an expediated review on the Devontae Smith fourth down grab. Why is that important? Because they pick up the fourth down. Devontae Smith actually didn't catch that football that led to the Philadelphia drive, as opposed to San Francisco all of a sudden getting the ball on their own 40. And yes, they are scripted plays. More likely than not, the plays that were being ran on that first drive in San Fran in that position were going were gonna to be run right there in that spot if they had the ball turned over on fourth down. But maybe they don't. Maybe they switch it up. That Brock Purdy never gets hurt. Then this is a different game. Mini conspiracy theory. Tell me I'm wrong, though. The word conspiracy theory, I think, is the... Fact. I was going to say butterfly. I was going to say it cut off so people at home... He said butterfly effect. That was just about what I was going to say because that's probably the way I would look at it. I do think that the expedited or expedited review process will be addressed a lot in this offseason because we talk about the refs way too much in 2022-2023. Way too many games had questionable calls whatever. And yeah, this game who knows how it might play out differently if they do overturn that. But at the end of the day, the best team won in this game, and that was the best team in the NFL. Which takes us into the AFC championship game that was played last night. The Bengals fall short in Kansas City in Arrowhead, 23-20. to This was a, another one of these classic Chiefs-Bengal games that just remind you, this feels like the New England Patriots Indianapolis Colts rivalry we saw in the 2000s, early teens. We're going to see these teams play in the playoffs an awful lot. And it's no coincidence that all four of the last four games these two teams have played have been decided by a field goal. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Kansas City, Andy Reid, the Chiefs, they get the last laugh. What did you guys make of this game? We finally have a rivalry with these two. This was just hatred on Kansas City's side. Because Bengals are 3-0. Now they got a win under their belt. Joe Burrow and the Bengals still have the all-time record between the Bengals and Mahomes era. But still, now we finally have a rivalry. The Chiefs had control of this game the entire time, it felt like. It felt like they had the control, yet you're just waiting for that Joe Burrow and that Bengals comeback as they've done in the three previous games. But man, Pat Mahomes balling on a bum ankle, over 300 yards. He had two touchdowns. I want to give – I'm really, really, really happy. As much as I hated seeing him go, Marquez Valdez-Scaling having a the best game of his career there with over 100 yards. He had a touchdown, just burning it. In a game where it felt like every single receiver or skill position player was going down or had an in, injury designation going into this, Pat Mahomes did not let it stop. They kept churning. The Bengals were playing decent, but their O-line, the thing that we were so – Check that box. They got it. They got it fixed. They got it figured out. All of a sudden, four sacks in the first half. Only home to one, so they got better over the duration of the game. But, man, this looks like a lot of the Bengals team from last year, but Joe Burrow was just not able to overcome it here. But defensive side of the ball for Cincinnati. Thank you, Impala. Just penalties. Three penalties on one drive that extended a scoring drive here for the Patriots. And then they had a couple costly ones. We have the one huge one that extended them on the final drive drive here that everyone is talking about. Did he flop? It, it should it be called. I'm tired of all the ref talks. You know, we we have so much hatred towards a ref here on this show, but 
you got to go with that call. Yeah, I was at a holding on there. Yeah, but if there's a holding call in every single every single play, we'd still still be watching the third quarter right now. That's just the way it goes. Unfortunately, here are the Bengals losing the Chiefs three Super Bowls in the last four years. Man, oh man, the dynasty is getting started back up now. We can sit here. We can talk about penalties, questionable calls from the refs, but actually, you know what? Let's pause. Let's talk about one. The whole controversy around the third and six or whatever. Can somebody that tell Bengals they punted from the exact same spot as if they didn't get those two calls in their favor? Like and they also they had a ref from... running in. There's yeah. video evidence of ref running in. If there wasn't that, I'd be on their side. But so sorry, David. so uh, like, but you know what? Let's throw it. In, let's throw it in their favor. Let's say the ref screwed them. Right? If the Chiefs were healthy. And and I get the Bengals' offensive line wasn't healthy, but holy shit, if the Chiefs had one of their three starting ride receivers or a healthy Travis Kelsey or, I don't know, a healthy Patrick Mahomes, who they clearly didn't need because he played ungodly. I, I mean, the Chiefs, to your point, Stephen, controlled the fucking game, and they were not going to lose a fourth time to Joe Burrow and the Bengals, and they came out and they they truly showed that they weren't going to do it. And I truly think the only reason it was close is because for some reason it felt like the Chiefs just they were they were going to running backs more. They were like, I mean, we were finding fucking their fourth string receiver in MVS was was popping off for I think he had what he finished with six for 116. Is that what he finished with? I, I mean, uh, he couldn't even get those numbers in Aaron Rodgers era when he was the number two. Let's let's Maybe and like I'm not, that's not an Aaron. That's no, not seriously. even an Aaron yeah. Rodgers thing. That's just uh, we were so deep into he was the last guy left. We were forcing it to him, and and I'm I'm just like I think if you if both teams full healthy, I think the Chiefs win by three touchdowns yesterday. I, I really do. It's to me it, they that defense came out and dominated, and I get it. It was close. The refs screwed the Bengals maybe once or twice. Some of it, I think, was legitimate calls, but, you know, they did get screwed once or twice. But, like, God damn, the, the Chiefs wanted it more. And that's a bullshit thing 99% of the time, but not yesterday. The Chiefs wanted it more. The Chiefs we saw were... it in Buffalo last week, too. The Bengals wanted it way more than Buffalo. Then all of a sudden, the Chiefs wanted it way more than the Bengals. I don't get it. I, I think that you what you get is a team that understood – they had nothing to lose, and the Chiefs, the Bengals were talking. You had Cincinnati, the mayor was talking. That helped, and I felt like the Bengals were very defensive on that. I think these it's still a three-point game for a reason. These are very even-matched teams. The offensive line reverted back to 2021 Cincinnati, and it just goes to show that just having a, a five-decent offense lineman doesn't get it done. You have to have depth in the NFL. And the Bengals don't have the offensive line depth. And Chris Jones was able to take advantage of it. We talked about how dominant Hassan Reddick was. Chris Jones, he had two sacks, a tackle for loss. He had eight quarterback pressures alone. And on those eight plays, the Bengals threw five incompletions and Burrow was sacked three times. He completely changed the game. That last drive, that sack on third and eight, how clutch is that, too? You don't want Joe Burrow to have a shot because if they do get a first down there, the Bengals are winning that game yesterday. They are going to get the, the field goal and go down. And here's the thing about the flags, too. I hate bitching about flags. I don't care what team it is in the world. Don't put it in the referee's hands. 
and you avoid it. And yeah, the Bengals fans, I understand having grievances. I think a lot of teams did this year. The refereeing as a whole in the NFL was subpar this year. It, was, it really needs to be addressed in the offseason. It's why the expedited review is so important. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs were the better team yesterday. They deserve to go to the Super Bowl. And it just, if anything, excites me as a fan that is kind of just watching this from outside that we really do feel like we are getting the birth of another great rivalry in football. And this is just going to be a back and forth war for the next 10, 15 years. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the best thing about the rivalry with this is there's, there's more people now, right? I know that we had Tom and Peyton sprinkling it and big Ben a lot, but then he's sprinkling like Philip rivers and some other guys. We have like six people that can actually step up just in the AFC and it, it's going to be a king of the hill every single year. I, I love it. For somebody who has their team going down the tank, this is all I have looking forward to now. It, at the end of the day, the, the AFC is going to come down to who can keep roster building and keep mid-maxing with, with money and roster talent. I mean, you can't – you know, the, the Chiefs have done a great job of it in this Pat Mahomes run of, of dominance since he came into the league – of, you know, they lose key players and then they replace it with guys you never heard of most of the time and it still works. Uh, I, you know, the Bengals are going to have to, I mean, where the Bengals could be a whole different team if they can't do the same thing. They start losing Jamar Chase. I mean, they won't lose Jamar Chase, but you lose T Higgins, you lose Tyler Boyd, you lose any of these guys who could go out and get bigger contracts who maybe don't want to take the the Cincinnati discount to stay with the team. And you're going to start feeling pains. I don't think it's going to really matter. I mean, I think Cincinnati stays good, but that's going to be the difference between, you know, Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes in the conference championship every single year. And these guys facing Justin Herbert's facing, you know, some of these other guys in the AFC coming out of the AFC. It's just how, how good can you lose top talent and replace it with draft picks? And it's a fair question because they have a few guys. I want to say Jermaine Pratt, BJ Hill, um, I, P. Ryan, who, by the way, was on the field twice as often as Joe Mixon yesterday. It makes you wonder if he'll be on the team next year as well. There is going to be a lot of overturn and a, a lot of, I guess, turnover here. And the Bengals, I, I will say this, for the fans out there that are pissed off at this game, the thing that immediately jumped into my head last night was less about the refereeing, and it was the frustration of the slow start in the season. You lose to Pittsburgh at home. You lose to a Dak Prescott-less Dallas Cowboy team. You win one of those games. We're talking about a different game because that's in Cincinnati. But if you win two, it's not even close. You have the chance to rest starters, feel comfortable going into the playoffs. There's so much more than the refs. That's why I, I really get annoyed when I see people at any game going in you go ahead David I see you I'm, I'm with you I'm with you I don't mean to interrupt but like there's maybe one or two excuses of refereeing where I'll let you hold on to that like the pass oh, interference cool. for oh, sorry. Uh, the Rams or whatever a couple of years ago like there's, Fail there's Mary. a couple instances where I'll be like you know what you can hold on to the refs literally losing you the football game but like for the most part the refs you're exactly right you're exactly right if you leave it up to the refs you're always going to lose every single time and it's not fun, well, but every single game in the NFL these days has bad calls, have calls that change the game. 
And it's part of the, it's the speed of football now. Like it's so hard. We are, we're very hard on referees and they deserve it. They get paid. They, they know what they signed up for, but in all sports, athletes are getting faster. These things are happening so much quicker. It's the, it's like one of the hardest jobs in the world to do. So I do feel bad for refs at, a little bit too, just because I, I don't think they're going home and high-fiving their buddies. Like, oh, we fucked them, didn't we? That's not how this is. It's just sometimes you get the call, sometimes you don't. And yesterday- but That's not on the refs either. That's no, on the NFL. Because I completely in, agree. In today's game, there should be there should probably be either more refs or more opportunities to, to stop and replay. And I don't mean stop the game and replay, but like really somebody, we've talked about this before. Somebody should be in the, like- it, you know, in the NFL should be watching every game from every camera angle and should be watching key plays and like being like, you know what, hold on 30 seconds, slow the game up 30 seconds, go to commercial. Let me rewatch this. All right. Here's the real call. Right. So there should be more of that or like, it, like or, an expedited process. Correct. Or you, you have should have more of that, which we've talked about a million times on the podcast, even since I've joined, or you go out and you go get more referees on the field. Guys, two guys watching the offensive defensive line, two guys on each side of the field, one guy watching, you know, like, but you want to get more fucking eyes on the play, get more eyes on the play. It, it's just like, it's the NFL's fault. You got to do something. Otherwise you're going to soil your product with, with shit like bad refereeing. Well, and fans are stupid too. Sorry, Steven, I cut you off. You go ahead, buddy. No, you're good. And I was being a smart ass with David, the expedited process. The thing is it's there. And the fact that they're not using it every single time. Okay, I get it. We kind of came in late in here. Then we saw it in the bowl season for college football. Like, hey, oh, we should try that. They did it in the playoffs. These are the exact moments in games that we need the expedited process. For Devontae Smith, uh, you know, looking over a Pat Mahomes thing, uh, the injury or the penalty that they're throwing on there stuff like that that could potentially change the game no matter if it's on the first drive or it's on the last drive it's something that the nfl you you know they're not going to do anything for at least another two or three more off seasons until the fans really really start bitching and then goodell's like oh you know what we should change it to something that they're not going to like then hear them give us reasons where they should change it and then we'll change it the right way so we're probably about five to seven years out well, the thing that I just caution people out there calling for, I, I guess, more refs are getting more calls right, whatever, is that the game is already so slow and so kind of jumbled up with these whistles, with these reviews, with these flags. The moment we start getting even more penalties called, we're going to have so many people bitching about the pace of play that games are going four hours long because we're reviewing holdings. So I just want people to understand that there are going to be missed calls. Just be careful what you wish for. It's not really as simple as that. Steven, I, I have, I, I have just gonna a say. reason. <laughs> so I, I agree with David outside of the egregious calls, but I know that he has my back on this. The Revs blew it. And there's no way around it on this, okay? The one holding call that you don't call. Okay, let's start it back. Little old Steven had a nice little first touchdown score booster of plus 200. So just for shits and gigs, I decided to throw 50 on Kadarius Tony because it went from plus 1,900 to plus 2,100. What do we get? Steven screaming, getting hyped, getting pumped up because Kadarius Tony just caught a touchdown. Not so fast. Apparently, he did not catch it. 
which I'm really, I'm trying my hardest to put my bias to the side because I wanted to win. But could someone explain to me what a catch is? Yes, oh, that he was did not a catch. It. But okay, hear me out. He catches it, has it, one foot, one knee, crosses the plane. Then when he hits it, it starts getting fumbled. Where am I? That's a touchdown. The ball is in control Wally, crossing the plane. It's Wally, the completion of the catch. That's a, that's a touchdown for a guy who just lost $300. Because yeah, no, I completely agree. If that was me, if that was me, I'd say it was a touchdown too. I'm just saying that we have seen this now for a decade plus. You have to complete the process. And when he went to the ground, the ball clearly hit, and he didn't even have control. It rolled under him, and he was able to collect it back up. It was a lot like the Devonta Smith one. I I have seen Devonta Smith was way more, way more noticeable than I think it was more noticeable. I think the same thing happened. Yes. I, I think it's more control than Tony's. Obviously, more than Devontae. Devontae didn't catch it. But how many times have you seen questionable, quick plays like that where it's like, oh, they possess it, boom. And then if I think Jamar Chase just had one like last Look, week or Last weeks week ago. against Matt Milano. But that's the same thing. It's the completion where, of the process. Where they caught it. No, no, no. I'm talking about he caught the touchdown, two hands, had the ball over the over the line. Then when he stepped out, it like fumbled out. And they're like, no, it's a touchdown because he had the two. It's just – it's so backwards. We'll never, ever get it right. But I was so butthurt, but not as butthurt as the next drive where I also had two separate bets of Isaiah Pacheco scoring a touchdown. Here's a nice 10-yard touchdown rush. Nope. Negated by a holding penalty. If only they didn't call it there and they called it against the Chiefs on the final play of the game to set up set him up for the field goal. I was so I, I got shit out of $500 strictly for the ref. Sure. That's not a lot of money. Maybe to you multimillionaires, but for me, <laughs> yeah, that's rent. That's half of my mortgage. A little bit of the water, the electric. I'm pissed. I would have been pissed too. If I were you all time, bad beat. And it was back. It was, I couldn't even leave the first quarter. I didn't even want to watch the game anymore. I, I'd have luckily, I lo- my, my apps in case you're wondering, I would have been that angry. No, no. I take my word of advice from Wally. You're always one bet closer to to your next winner. So naturally. And you guys call me a fucking addict. Unreal. (laughs) (laughs) There's a difference between addiction and dedication, David. Uh, Before you you wrap us up, Steven, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts because there were two things that I think are going to live in Bengals fans' heads for a long time. And I want to hear your guys' thoughts because – Zach Taylor and the Bengals got to where they were by being a very aggressive team, almost like a responsible version of what Brandon Staley wants to be, is they know when to push the envelope and when not to. In the first half, they had to settle for a field goal uh, with, what, four seconds left and a half because they complete a ball down to the five, six-yard line, and instead of getting up to the ball and spiking it, ensuring you have two plays at the goal line, they decide to throw – a fake spike fade that looked ruined from the the snap. So you only get one play and that changes the game a ton because instead of it being 13, 10 and a half, it's 13, six big different in the field. And then the other one is the timeout on the Bengals last drive of the game that eventually gave the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes a chance to win. You, you got there by being aggressive. So I kind of like it because you're keeping Joe Burrow in the game. You give him the ball. But ultimately, those two decisions had dire consequences yesterday. I think that you're also glossing over, I want to say it was either the first or second down play where they threw a ball to Hayden Hurst. He actually ran out of bounds when the clock was running. 
So for that, that could be an extra, I don't know, say 39 seconds. That could be wasted because the play clock is 40 seconds. That would have been another 40 seconds wasted. And the defense doesn't have time to, like, they, they, you call time out there. And it sounds good, like, calling time out because you get to think about what you're doing. But the Chiefs do, too. And the fact that that was a huge first down, by the way. I didn't think in a million years it was going to get caught. I already thought I was planning on watching the Chiefs celebrate far earlier than what happened. But you get that long first down. You have all the momentum in the world. It would have been, I feel like, a very different play call on both sides had you just gone up to the line and called a play instead of giving yourself 90 seconds to think about it. Well, there you have it, boys and girls. The Super Bowl is set, a historic Super Bowl. First time we're going to have brothers face off. First time that two African-American quarterbacks are going to be squaring off in the Super Bowl. So a lot of history to be made here. God, I cannot wait. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down and Twitter, Down underscore Loss. Shout out to our sponsors, Tabbies, as well as abbyturnerphoto.com. Boys, do we have any parting words for the fans before we head out? Yeah. So I didn't even, I can't even believe I fucking forgot while we were talking about your lost bets until you said brothers facing off in the Super Bowl. For anyone wondering, there was like a plus 2,000 bet on brothers facing off in the Super Bowl on like DraftKings or something in the wild card round. I looked at it and I was like, nah, I'm going to bet that and then immediately regret it because there's just no fucking chance I win that. And here we are. And, you know, it. it I, I I cannot believe I didn't take something like that. Like $1, 20 bucks. Why not? Like why why not throw a dollar on something like that? And, or why and, not throw 50 because that's addiction and <laughs> you'll get one dollar is fun there <laughs> one dollar is fun 50 on something that out- egregious is addiction and it only is going to play out this year and here we are and you I, wait I, you wait in two hey, weeks just- and we're putting hundreds of dollars on the color of gatorade or what side of a coin that comes up or how long the national over over on the national unreal Unreal. You know what, David? You drink Unreal. one beer, we drink six. Doesn't matter. We're all drinking beer, and you'll get up to our level eventually. <laughs> Until next week, Pro Bowl will be fun, and the Super Bowl, Wally, what? No, I just wanted a house cleaning for you guys at home. We are having no show on this Thursday, so do not expect to see us. We're meeting and kind of doing a, a game plan of what we want to do in the offseason. We'll also be missing a show two weeks after the Super Bowl for the same reason. We're trying to grow this offseason, try to be more friendly to you guys. And the best way to do that is come on here, chat it out. So if you guys have any ideas yourself, please let us know. It doesn't mean we're going to do it for sure, but any idea is a good idea. And we desperately appreciate any feedback you guys give us. We'll see you next week with our Super Bowl picks and props. Cannot wait. Man, uh, I think I'm going to go with the Orange Gatorade this year. What about you? Oh, it's it's gonna be blue. Oh, well, yeah, it's gonna be blue. It's got to be blue. If it's green for the Eagles, that's like kind of that's foul. Like, I bet red. Never good I bet red. Chiefs, that's good on the Chiefs and uh, 49ers game a few years back because I'm like, there's no way it's not red. Both teams primary color, and of course it was blue. So from that moment on, I just decided you got to go with the best flavor, and it's cool blue, baby. I cannot just give me the national anthem. Give me that bet in my veins. I live for it. Tails never you know, fails. I'm I'm thinking of if it's even worth it. But you know, frankly, think about is there what powders are there out there? What color of powders? Are, I mean, that's what it is. It's just a powder mixed with water. So I didn't know that. Up, it's stupid. Filling up. They're not filling up 
you well, know, he, Gator, Gatorade right. isn't rolling out there. It's just powdered in water. So, like, what three powders are out there? Like, and he, then, he, he they didn't get they didn't get glacier ice from like the Colorado Springs. Yeah, it's just pow- it's going to be red, blue, or like you know, a hand up. Orange, I, I was being stupid. Well, see, well, I've what, never thought what about what color it. blue? What color blue? You have it's, dark blue. You have the light blue. What about like light uh, blue? You got purple. You got green. You got red. Um, you got white, you have water. There's so Is that stuff. coming in powders, though? That's all I'm saying. The powder God, you are broken my brain, yo. David. I'm so it's, upset. That's what you're gambling on. What powders are out there, and then limit your limit your color based off that. Anyways. Do you think, like, sweet tea is naturally sweet and they still add sugar in their wallet? I'm not kidding. I never, like, I've never thought about how they fill it up. But as soon as you guys started making Gatorade, just sent the fucking tanker truck out there. Or I, or I'm like they like go to Gecko and, and they just have a that. bunch of twenty ounce things and are unscrewing it and pouring one after another. Mm-hmm. Oh, can you recycle that? We need it. I'm one short. <laughs> All right, yeah, hand up. I'm stupid. All right, that's on me. trying to win back some money that I fucking lost yesterday. It was off to a hot start today in the Serie A. The FA Cup screwed me, but now I got the Nets. Give me what? Uh, Kyrie Irving and something else. What did you have in uh, the FA Cup today? Who was it? Uh, I took both teams to score in Derby to win over West Ham, but West Ham won 2 nothing. Gotcha. But I did pick both teams to score draw and then another bet that's both teams to score and draw for this Serie A game and that was all his so that was cash oh yeah see Stoke City the FA Cup is like the only thing I have to look forward to right now because they're such a fucking joke that they might even get relegated out of the championship at this rate but they're they're playing Brighton and if they win what uh, David I want to say it's to the quarterfinals then oh god I can't Brighton remember. Did just beat, right? I think it they might did be just beat Liverpool, though, so that's going to be a tough matchup. They Brighton's good. They've been great this year. They're a fun team to watch. Liverpool Me and Kylie watched. Liverpool below. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Kylie just watched and bet on the Wrexham. Uh, FA oh, yeah. Cup. If you guys, if you guys watched watch Wrexham them. over. Yeah, that was wild. It sucked, though, because, I mean – it was so bad, but it was electric because we put Paul Mullen to score. And so in that five minutes of time where I'm like, holy shit, we just picked them to score and to win live, and now this shit's happening, and then they tie. So Wrexham. It was one of those games that you know that's going to show up on the show, and that was why I was really hoping for a win. I'm so tired of watching Sunderland Till I Die or Welcome to Wrexham in an ending sad. I need a happy season. I need one. Oh, I see. The problem is the happy seasons, man. They don't, they don't get the fucking uh, Netflix crews inside the house until they've happened. True, very true. You know what also sucks that game since it was at Wrexham, they their facility doesn't have VAR, so they that was off the table the whole game. Is that just National League? Like, is everything above National League have VAR capabilities? I mean. Like, like, I don't watch enough Sheffield, real one or two. <laughs> is Chef United still? There's no way any of those stadiums are set up for that shit. Uh, I doubt it. You got to have, like, I'll... cameras flying above on the sides. Like, you have to have shit tracking them. Yeah. yeah. 
it's a, Sheffield a lot probably. Of there, there's no there way those fucking plumbers in League One have that shit. <laughs> I know. But not, everyone, but not everyone has Deadpool. Not no, everyone has Deadpool though. But yeah, that the grass looked like shit yesterday. The pitch, excuse me. So after all that money that they just spent on fixing it in the show, they're just gonna have to do something else with it now. This time of year, I don't know where in Wales exactly, like how wintry it is. There's a chance it's just there's not much you can do until you have those super like I don't know what you would call them, those like sunlights that they do in Northern England for the expensive clubs. Those are so expensive though. I don't even know if Rob and Brian would be doing that yet. David's a Tottenham or a Spurs fan, I guess I should say. And Hot Spurs. Well, it's come on, it's Spurs. Come on. But they're going to get Wrexham if Wrexham finds a way to beat Sheffield in the replay. Oh, that's whack. It's Fucking funny, Harry though. Kane just put his nuts. You put the gate up? Well, the thing is, is Tottenham would have to go to Wrexham, which is hilarious to think of a like National League side holding yeah. a Premier League team. It's just insane. Yeah, it is wild. Tottenham's going to find a way to lose. Never forget. Zach's Dude, ta- yeah, t- t- Tottenham just fucking. Oh my god, I can't imagine being a Tottenham fan, dude. I hate gambling on them, so I can't. You know what it's a lot like? It's a lot like being a Cleveland Browns fan. That's what I was gonna, except somehow, success. Sometimes. Somehow, I was just magnetized to Tottenham, and I want to die. It's fine. At least you you have a reason to watch. I'm like and, watching and the team pot, like try to stay up in the championship. But yeah. I I. I let my peanut brain go, ooh, purple jersey, that's cool. And then, you know, that was it. That was... My peanut brain went, ooh, tall guy, striker. That'll be my team forever. And okay, you, but, Peter Crouch, but Peter Crouch is lit. All that's right. who it was. Okay, I was going to say, who was that fucking striker back in... I got Stoke City, really baby. Big in 09 and, yeah. Like fucking eight and a half feet tall, but, you know... The only just... way I could score on FIFA, just throw crosses <laughs> into the box, because I didn't know enough about soccer yet. So that was the only way I could score. Is I'm like, well, get into the fucking giant and let just him like, head it in. Just like Wrexham, fucking throw that puppy in there. No shit, exactly. That's basically where we're at. <laughs> All right, I'll mute myself. Let's get it. And welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. We are your host. I am Steve. He is Wally. He is David. Before I toss it to the boys to see how their wild card weekend was. Wow. And welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. I'm your host. Awesome, dude. One of those fucking days. <laughs> oh, Mondays. 